All right, so this morning we're on our fifth character quality that we want to discuss together. That, again, is another, I think, foundational piece to us learning how to uh, both man up as well as to build that stable and inspired course into our lives. And this morning's subject is the topic of being conscientious. And uh, that word, uh, conscientious, is, I think, something that we're not really hearing as much in our culture today. And not only is the word kind of becoming a little more absent uh, from society and conversation, but I really think it's an important virtue that's kind of starting to disappear from what we see happening in our society today, and especially among many men as far as just their way of living, uh, as far as how they function, and even sadly, I think, in regards to kind of just their work ethic and the way that they would accomplish their tasks. And I think that's a very important quality, which is why I want to spend a little time talking about it this morning, to try and intentionally uh, build into our lives as a way of living and how we handle things. If we just kind of delve into the word a little bit as far as what it means to be conscientious, it really just, in a sense, means having a conscience about what you do. Uh, and doing things with a degree of conscience. So in other words, it refers to caring about doing things right and caring about doing things well and caring about doing things properly, especially in a work task maybe that we perform or just some assignment we take on. It refers to that desire to not just perform a duty, but to actually perform a duty well. And to actually have a degree of, we used to say years ago, you know, taking pride in your work. Uh, That kind of seems to be disappearing. If you ever hired someone recently to do something for you, you might have discovered that. You know, you're thinking, well, what is wrong with you? And, and, And years ago, that was just sort of a commonplace thing, that if you did a job, we use that term, you know, you took pride in your work. You actually tried to actually be careful to what you did. You did it thoroughly. You paid attention when you were doing it. And the idea is, you know, doing things with focus, caring about quality, doing our best, whatever it is that we're doing, uh, and whether it's a small task or a huge thing, that anything we do is worth being done right and with, we might say, a standard of excellence. And I think, sadly, many give in to the temptation, and it is, I think, a, a selfish, sinful tendency, really, of just human laziness in our lives where at times we might do the least possible just to get by. And I think that's the problem in this, is there is just this selfish human tendency to just be lazy at times, and we look to just do the bare minimum, whatever's necessary to just kind of get by, get on to the next thing maybe, uh, and, and kind of quickly get a job done and just move on. And the result of that is then things get done in a sloppy and a careless manner, or things get done with errors and oversights uh, and just, we might say, substandard work, or they're done in a messy way and not really with much attention at all to actually making sure things are accurate and done completely. So tasks get left unaddressed. In other words, something that was to be done, maybe 50% of it got done or 75% of it got done or maybe even 90% of it got done, but it didn't get done completely. Uh, It wasn't done with a conscientious manner where things were carried out to the end. And the reason is that we just as men sometimes may not give our full ability or attention or effort. We just give partial effort 
uh, and really just whatever time we feel like throwing at something. You know, living in the uh, 1700s was obviously, we know, a much harder time to navigate as well as to survive. I mean, we're talking about an age in history where there was no power tools. I mean, just imagine that if you're a guy a guy and you've ever done something, the things that we accomplish now with power tools, I mean, even just by hand, you know, using a screwdriver and putting a screw into something sometimes, the difference compared to, you know, just being able to put something in quick or, you know, whether we're cutting something, you know, using power tools with saws and, you know, think of the larger levels of construction projects and how these guys were moving you know, massive, heavy things, and again, doing it with human sweat in regards to it. So certainly a much more difficult time to do everything in life. It required way more steps in things that were done, uh, way more effort. You had to give way more attention. I mean, imagine the, the thought that had to go into some of the things that were accomplished, you know, in prior ages when all the technology and power tools and things that exist today, which are a blessing, didn't exist how you really had to think through things a little bit more. You had to be strategic and, and pay attention, not just maybe for safety, but also just to be able to figure out how to do things smart if you just you know, couldn't accomplish it because of the incredible brute strength it would take to do something. And it's interesting that living in that time period in the 1700s, there was a man, Philip Stanhope, he was better known as Lord Chesterfield, and he wrote a letter to his son, trying to give his son advice as an older man, and this was his advice in this letter to his son. It gives us a very common phrase we say today. He said this, In truth, whatever is worth doing at all is worth doing well, and nothing can be done well, son, without attention. I therefore carry the necessity of ten attention down to the lowest of things. So here's this older gentleman speaking to his son, encouraging him really with this concept of what we talk about of being conscientious, having to intentionally purpose to, we might say, not be careless. And again, let me answer, to intentionally purpose not to be careless in activities, tasks, work, the necessity to give attention to what we're doing and not allow ourselves to get easily distracted. And can I bring to your attention again, as I have in other things, that is a characteristic of a boy, not a man, right? If you look at small boys, and not to say it's not the same with small girls, but particularly small boys, you know, they have a very, uh, you know, common tendency towards, you know, they're doing something that, oh, and, and, and they just, they're easily distracted. I mean, they could be doing something in a butterfly or there's a bug or something, and they're just easily drawn away, and, and then they lose focus on what they're doing. Or, and again, that's a, a, a tendency in our lives as men that we have to be careful that we don't not grow out of. That's boyhood. Manhood should be the opposite. Seeking to man up means that we should be growing out of that, overcoming that, that we know how to stay alert, we know how to stay on task, we know how to be focused and put in our best effort and care enough to give attention even to the smallest of matters. And a conscientious person wants to do what's right because, again, their conscience tells them, you should do this properly. You should do this well. You should execute this to the, to the best of your ability, whatever you're engaged in, and that your performance does matter. 
you know, very familiar name for uh, some of you in the room, maybe not some others, depending upon where you're at age-wise, but there was a gentleman, George Foreman, who could have easily let odds overcome him, but as we know, and he certainly did not, you know, and, and uh, well, I guess you should be careful that in case I ever meet him someday, he didn't really have the kind of physique that looked like an incredible athlete, if I could say it that way. But yet, not just that, you know, maybe having not a natural, raw, athletic-looking body automatically, but on top of that, numerous other things could have hindered him and held him back, but he became a successful boxing champion, as well as very successful in some media and business adventures as well. And I found this quote from him. He said this. I thought it was interesting. He said, some say, if something is worth doing, it's worth doing right. He said, I always take that one step further. I say, you shouldn't do anything unless you do it right. I like that. Some say, if something's worth doing, it's worth doing right. He says, I, I, actually, I take that one step further. You shouldn't even do anything unless you're going to do it right. In other words, it'd be better to just not even do it than to do it and not do it right, because many times we know that causes a way bigger headache for, as we'll talk about, others kind of maybe picking up our slack because of the way that we handled something. So again, a key word here, I think, as we delve into this, a word, if I could put it in your mind in, in connection to this, would be the word thorough, thorough. And, and to do something in a thorough way, to be a thorough man, means performing things with care and completeness, attention to detail, completing an entire task. And again, you can think that out any way you want to. It'd be like if somebody you know, told, hey, can I hire you to, to rake my yard? Uh, you, you rake the entire yard, right? Your wife says, can you vacuum the room for me? You vacuum the entire room. You know, just, or you just make the marks where it looks like you vacuumed. You know, there you go. Does that look like I vacuumed? And so whatever it is that we're doing in the smallest of tasks or the largest of responsibilities, we do things completely. We do things thoroughly. We even... Uh, if I could say, verify and check what you do afterwards. Hey, did I overlook something there? Just before I finalize, before I walk away, maybe you got an assignment or a task or your boss asked you to do something. When you're done, before, hey, boss, I'm done. You might want to check, just make sure you are done and completely done. And you did it the way that the boss would want it done and, and to a degree of excellence that, you know, it's not something someone has to come after you and pick up. Again, not half-heartedly, minimal effort, uh, you know, I have to be careful with, with my words here because there's a term that resonates in my mind the whole time when I think about this subject, and, and I'm actually going to tell you the, the origin of it uh, to kind of get my point across. Um, th there was an ancient process uh, that was called doing something half-ads, A-D-Z, half-ads, and where that came from, and ads was a tool that was used typically to shape fireplace mantles out of these big, you know, robust logs, you know, in the olden days. And typically, if you were in a hurry or you didn't have enough time, you would nicely shape the front, but then you wouldn't use any time with the ads tool to shape the back or the rear because your mentality was, well, nobody sees that anyway. And so you would just shape the front for your customer real nice and shove it into place. 
And when people would do that at times, sometimes then it would cause issues, it wouldn't set right, you know, it would, and in a sense, you were kind of, you know, cutting a corner in a degree, and so it became known as doing things half-ads. Now, you can see how we've taken that, <laughs> and, and we've used it for another more common term that we often use. Uh, and, you know, the interesting thing is when I look up the term that you often clearly use, you just, yeah, I kept saying, is there a synonym for this? There was no synonyms for it. So I had to find the root of it so I could be able to say it in a polite way in a pulpit in a church. Uh, but th this is the idea with, with this idea of being conscientious, that we don't do things in that half-ads manner because it's just not the right way to do things that we do things completely, again, with diligence, whatever we're putting our hand to, that we pay attention. So again, conscientious people do things, yes, but they do them well and to the best standards. So it's always going to be the opposite of not caring about standards, about not completing things in a thorough manner. It's the opposite of being careless and sloppy, taking shortcuts, you know, doing things where we're just trying to rush through them, or just leaving things uncompleted and not fully taking care of something, carrying it out to the end, just looking for the shortest and easiest way to do something and get it done with little or no effort. So conscientious people, they kind of go above and beyond, and they do a little extra. And, and I'll tell you, what that does is it makes people like that a blessing, right? I, I, I'm, most of us are, you know, either have worked or in, or in a working age. Is it not nice? to work with someone who's a conscientious person if they have that character trait, if you're an employer. Is it not nice to have an employee who's a conscientious employee that whatever they do, they just they just take care of it and they do it well and, and you don't have to go back and check on it and it's just an absolute blessing. Now on the other side of that, is it not true that it's an incredible pain in the burden when somebody's not like that? Is it not? When you, nobody I know likes to have to go back and redo something that somebody else did half ads, right? Who likes to do that? That's very frustrating. It's very disappointing. It's something that's, you know, kind of very irritating. So again, nobody likes to have to do that. Now, what does God's word say about this concept and principle? Where there are some Bible passages, they're, they're on your handout. If you didn't get a handout, guys, they are on the back there if you want to grab one. There's some verses, I think, again, that support this reality that God wants us to be conscientious men as a part of our character in our lives. Ecclesiastes 9, verse 10, the first one there in the top of your handout says, whatever, notice that key word, whatever. Oh, well, I mean, I understand really important things. I understand really big things. God says, whatever, small to big, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. We might say, do it with all your effort. Give your absolute best strength and attention and energy in doing whatever it is. Another translation of that same verse renders it this way, whatever you do, do well. That's pretty straightforward. Whatever you do, do it well. Again, ask yourself this morning, does that describe how you typically go about doing things, how you handle things? And if it doesn't, certainly an area. Lord, help me to grow in this area. 
Uh, help me to change. Help me to become more conscientious to whatever I do, whatever it is, that I, w- I would just seek to be someone who does things well. And again, why does that matter? Well, look at our next verse in our handout, verse Corinthians 10.31. Certainly, as a Christian, as a child of God, we should have a different uh, ethic and standard for everything that we do. We live on a kingdom level. That's what Matthew 5 through 7 is all about, where Jesus kind of, in a sense, is saying, look, there's a kingdom of this world and a kingdom of darkness, and that's how you used to live, and that's how people in the world live. But Jesus says, but I'm calling you to a higher ethic, to a higher standard. I'm calling you to love your enemies, not to hate your enemies and retaliate. And, and Jesus kind of uses that whole passage to talk about that standard, that we live at a higher standard because we now have a higher degree of accountability. We have a greater motive in why we live and do things. So he says here in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, to us as Christians, whatever you do, right? Back to the same idea, whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. In other words, we're doing it with the mindset, hey, I want God to be glorified in how I do something. I, I think this is probably one of the greatest dangers of people who are in business and advertise their business as a Christian business. I, I just, I almost worry about people when they do this sometimes because you realize if you're going to do that or you're going to imply that, or you have, then you're putting yourself on a whole nother level of really expectation, certainly from anybody in the body of Christ, any other Christian brothers and sisters in the Lord who work with you, hire your services or work with you from a business perspective or you know, other people you're in partnership with, they should be able to recognize, well, if you're gonna take the time to advertise yourself as a Christian business, there must be maybe a reason you're trying to do that. It's one of your selling points or you're, you're kind of indicating that. I mean, how many people advertise themselves as an atheist business, right? I mean, well, what are you telling me that for? Well, if we're going to openly kind of display that, we must be conveying what we believe is that we do things on a higher level of excellence because we don't do things for the approval of men. We do things for the approval of God. We do everything with the excellence of wanting to please God and to honor God. And, And so again, the Bible says that is how we really should, whatever we do, Do everything to the glory of God, that we give our best to it, we're very thorough, and we say, Lord, is that a pleasing thing in your standard? Not does it please anyone else, not is it what I think is good enough, Lord, is that that quality enough for you? Does that honor you? And I tell you, that will take whatever you do in small tasks or large, it will take it to a different standard. Because you'll be wanting to do it in a way to please God with, again, the effort you put into it, the thoroughness, because you want to really honor God with the excellence of it. Mark chapter 7 gives us a a very beautiful description of the life of Jesus during his earthly existence as he lived as a man and in his ministry. And again, as I said before, let me say again, we worship Jesus as God. We follow Jesus as man. He was the son of God, and he was also the son of man. So we worship him in his deity as the son of God, and we follow him in his humanity because Jesus was the epitome of the perfect standard for manhood. And so therefore, in light of that understanding that Jesus is the perfect standard of manhood, we study his life, we look at his life, we seek to let the spirit of Christ live out his life through us. And Mark 7, speaking of Jesus' ministry and work, It says the people were astonished saying, look at it in your notes there, he has done all things well. 
Now, what a great phrase. They looked at Jesus's life. They looked at his ministry. They looked at, again, remember, Jesus was a carpenter for many years, we know, trade-wise, working together, it seems, to some degree uh, with his father. And they looked at the life of Jesus and how he did things and operated, and they said of Jesus, what a great phrase, six words, he has done all things well. And can I say this morning, if the spirit of Jesus Christ dwells in you, which he does if you're a Christian, how do you think Jesus wants you and I to do things? Well, because he doesn't change. So his spirit may at times be trying to overrule my human spirit who may not want to do things well, but his spirit, when I yield to his spirit and he's trying to live out his life through me, Paul said, it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And as Christ lives in me and I let, to, let him display his Christ likeness through me, one of the things that matters is Jesus says, I would like to do that well. I, I want to do that well because that's how I do things. And so again, just a good reminder I know for me to, to let Jesus live that out through me. He has done all things well. It'd be a great thing to have on any one of our tombstones, wouldn't it? I mean, many things could be on there, but that would certainly be a great one. He has done all things well. Colossians 3 says it this way, and whatever you do, do it all with all your, do it with all your heart, that should be, maybe messed up in your notes, as to the Lord, and the idea is for the Lord and not for men. I guess I should have been more thorough in your handout. Is that spelled wrong in your handout? Yeah, should have been more conscientious. What a, what a knucklehead. <laughs> Had a whole month to prepare that. Hey, got to confess your sins. Forgive me, my brothers. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the word of the inheritance. For you serve, again, notice the Lord Christ. And of course, in that passage, he's talking about how we work as servants for masters, or how we might say as workers or employees for our employer, recognizing that, again, not just I service when the boss is watching me or overseeing me in the room or at the shop or on the job site, but knowing that the greater supervisor, the Lord, he's always watching everything that I'm doing and that I work to the same standard of excellence because I always have an overseer, and I do it not ultimately to try and get the boss's approval, but I'm really doing it because I want Jesus' approval, and I trust that he's going to reward me as I do things in a proper way. Now, interesting passage. In Genesis chapter 37, really through chapter 50, gives us a lot about the life of Joseph, and I would say this, just in, in generality, great person, to study from a perspective of this concept of being a conscientious man. When you look at the life of Joseph, this particular passage I wanted to point out to you, Genesis 37, verse 12 to 17, it tells us Joseph's brothers had gone to graze their father's flocks near Shechem. Now, this was when Joseph was really probably maybe 17-ish years old, young man. And his father, Israel, said to him, as you know, your brothers are grazing the flocks near Shechem. Come, watch what happens. I'm going to send you to them. Very well, Joseph replied. So he said, go, see if all is well with your brothers and with their flocks, and bring back word to me. Then he sent him off from the valley of Hebron, and when Joseph arrived at Shechem, a man found him wandering in the fields and asked him, what are you looking for? He said, I'm looking for my brothers. Can you tell me where they are grazing their flocks? The answer, they've moved on from here, the man answered. I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. Here's the key. Watch this. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them near Dothan. 
Here's a little note I would say in connection to that. All Jacob or Joseph, excuse me, was asked to do by his father was to go where? To Shechem. Your brothers are in Shechem. Go check on your brothers. Give me a report and come back. Okay, pops, I'll do that. He goes to Shechem. When he gets to Shechem, what happens? They've already finished up what they're doing. They moved on to a new location. They're over in Dothan. Well, here's the key. At that point, Joseph could have said, Pop asked me to go to Shechem. I went to Shechem. They're not here. I might as well walk back home. Again, he's not taking an Uber. He doesn't have his license yet at 17. He's not driving his own chariot. He's hoofing this on foot. He could have said, I must just go back home. Pops, they're not in Shechem anymore. They've, they've moved on. What he chooses to do instead is to go to Dothan. That's another 15-mile walk on foot. So he walks another 15 miles, which means he's committing to 15 miles there and 15 miles back. And what if by the time he gets to Dothan, the guy at Dothan said, you just missed him, son. They've actually moved on to Carmel. I mean, but what's Joseph showing? He's displaying, here's what he's displaying, going the extra mile. He was willing, we might say, to go the extra miles because that was his character. He was a conscientious young man, and he was willing to go above and beyond. You know, it's interesting, and when you read the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus talks about kingdom principles, one of the things Jesus says there regarding the, the Roman guards he's, he, and the soldiers, he said, if they compel you to go one mile, go with them two. In other words, go above and beyond. W where did we get this idea, go the extra mile? Where we get every good idea, from God. <laughs> go the extra mile. And Joseph did that. Again, if you look at Joseph's life, this becomes a character trait of his life. Genesis, really, 39 through 50. 38 doesn't really address much of his life, but 39 through 50, you see this repeated life character trait in Joseph in many different situations, when he's in Potiphar's house, when he's in the prison, when he ultimately rises up to be the prime minister and so forth. He was a conscientious man. Daniel's another great example of that in your notes. Daniel 6, it says, it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom. And over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. So again, they had a stewardship. They had a responsibility. Each one of them had a stewardship in their role and their, their, their place of, in a sense, uh, leadership and responsibility in their department at work. And this Daniel, look what he says, distinguished himself, set himself apart. He distinguished himself above all the other governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and therefore the king thought of setting him over the whole realm. Again, you see what happens? Because he had an excellent spirit, he did things in an excellent way, the boss, the, the overseer, his king, said, you know what, man, he distinguishes himself from all my other workers because he's got a really excellent Spirit, the way he does things, there's always an indication of excellence behind it. And so he said, if I promote somebody, that's who I should promote next. Because the boss saw that excellence in the way that he went about doing things. So uh, let me kind of just, I guess, bring this around to kind of wrap this up. Why is it so important, if what we shared so far isn't, just to kind of give a few final thoughts on this. Why is it so important and valuable to be conscientious? Or maybe even, let's say, as men to try and be a little more conscientious, maybe even just to grow. Well, one thing I would say is this, is it simply makes us a more dependable person. 
To be conscientious will make you as a man a more dependable person, a more reliable individual to take care of things. In all spheres of relationship, as I said earlier, is it not a wonderful thing when someone can know that what they've asked somebody to do is just going to get done? You don't got to go back and check on it. You don't have to ask about it. You don't have to worry about it. This was one of the primary reasons why, when I was pastor in Calvary Chapel of York back in Pennsylvania for those 13 years, why I hired as my administrative pastor the, the gentleman that I did. Because if I just said something out loud one time, I knew it would get done. It would get done not only well and thoroughly, it'd get done better than I would even do it. And then I'd never even have to talk about it again. He would just assume... I guess I should just always make sure that gets done. And it was just a blessing. It made him an incredibly reliable person. And look, in all spheres of relationship, family, work, whatever, knowing somebody will get something done properly and well is wonderful because today's world, is it not, guys, let's be very candid, is filled with unreliable people. Unreliable people. Sadly, sometimes unreliable husbands and fathers that are hurting their wives and damaging their kids because they're just undependable and not following through. Look, let us be men that are not like that. Let's, let's be intentional and commit to saying, no, we're going to be men who take care of things. We're going to do things fully and thoroughly and, and make sure. And, and, and I don't ever want to be a, a guy who forces another to pick up my slack. Again, nobody liked that when you played on sports teams, right? I mean, the only place maybe you get away with that was on a wrestling mat because <laughs> you was just you. But when you were on a sports team together, nobody liked picking up the slack of somebody who wasn't doing their job at their position. Same thing in work, same things in family life. Nobody likes to do that. That's discourteous and frustrating. What we like is when somebody's a dependable person. That's a blessing. And so to seek to be dependable and reliable, that connects itself to just being conscientious. And it's a good reason why we should strive to be conscientious. Another thing it will cause us to do is it will also cause us to be somebody who not only meets expectations, but exceeds expectations. And again, valuable asset to be someone who not just does enough, meets the expectation, but wonderful to be somebody who exceeds expectations. Everybody likes someone like that, someone who goes, again, above and beyond, not just enough, but going that extra mile, putting a little extra touch on something, you know, just kind of doing things to a, a standard above and beyond, whether small or large. Another thing that it will do, thirdly, is, is being conscientious will help us succeed better both with God and with men, both with God and men. And I can tell you this, you can do a little bit of research and talk to individuals. Typically, conscientiousness is one of the highest and most important sought-after traits to this day still with employers in all industries. In all industries, one of the top traits, one of the highest character attributes they are looking for in all industries is someone who will be a conscientious worker. In other words, someone who doesn't just show up to work. That's a good starting step. Can I just get someone to show up Monday to Friday? But most people that are employers are looking not just for people who will show up to work and will work, but as I go back to what I said earlier, but actually take pride in their work. 
and will do their work well with excellence and thoroughness to the best of their ability and care about the results in the job they've been assigned to do. Now, I don't like to use myself as, as a hero of a story, but this story is almost 30 years old, so I, uh, I'll use it because it's certainly not in anything connected to my life routinely on a regular basis where I'm at now. But m many years ago, when, when I was uh, first getting ready to you know, engage married life, I got married at 20 years old, and, and I knew getting married at a young age, since I was going to become independent and live on my own at a young age, and I wasn't going the traditional college route, I knew that meant a little fire needed to be lit underneath of my posterior, that I needed to get a good, stable job to some degree with an income that would be able to pay my bills. My wife's a few years older than me. She actually already had a degree and was working as a nurse, so that gave me a little more incentive feeling like, oh my goodness, if I want to take care of her and be a man and pay the bills and be a good provider. So I knew I needed to, to get something like that. And I went to work for a glass company. And when I went to work for the company, started out just in the back warehouse, just stocking windshields. Bottom of the line took me in. You know, I didn't bring any talent or experience or trade skills to the table or anything like that. So I got put in the back stocking warehouse uh, windshields and pulling them out for orders. And so I realized that that didn't keep me busy constantly all day long. So I went to the warehouse supervisor and I said to him, look, whenever I'm not stocking windshields, what else should I do with my time? First, he looked at me a little surprised because I guess probably most employees don't ask that kind of stuff. And then he said to me, well, look, whenever you're not stocking windshields, unloading them, or you're not pulling them for an order, you could just tidy up the warehouse. Just the warehouse always tends to just tidy up the warehouse. Got that? Roger that. So what I did whenever I was not occupied was to the best of my ability, I just kept cleaning that warehouse constantly, everywhere that I could, trying to stay busy all day long for my entire shift. Well, not too long afterwards, I got called into the general manager's office of the company and he literally looked at me as a young man, and he said, the warehouse supervisor told me he has never seen anybody in the 20 years that he's been here who cares so much about sweeping our concrete warehouse floors. And he said to me, I figure if you care that much about sweeping concrete floors, you'd probably care a whole lot about doing things that have a lot more responsibility and importance in the company. And on the spot, I got a promotion and I got a raise, which I really needed <laughs> at that moment in time in my life. And, you know, I kept at it, carrying that on to the next level. And in a very short period of time, to my surprise, I was promoted past people who had been there for years and soon found myself as a manager in my early 20s over men who had been at the company and some of them who were 20 and 30 years older than me and had been there for decades. And now I found myself as their supervisor recognizing I have no skills, I have no talent, I don't even know probably 75% as much as some of you do who've been here doing this same trade work for 25 years but all I knew was whatever I did, I tried to do it really, really well to the absolute best of my ability and really care about it and do it with great quality. And here's what I found, guys. God honored that, right? God honored that and not just God did. My employer honored that. 
which shows you that both God honors it and people honor it. It matters, and it should matter to us, and I learned that way of doing things is important in every area of life, and it really, Jesus says, is a reflection of our heart attitude and where we're at. If you look at the last verse I put in your hand out there, Luke 16, 10, these are the words of Jesus, and look what he says to us. He says, Luke 16, 10, if you are faithful in little things, you will be faithful in large ones. But if you are dishonest in little things, the idea is you're not reliable or faithful, then you won't be honest, you won't be faithful in your handling of greater responsibilities. Notice, Jesus just says this is just a reality that if we are not faithful in little things, if when we do small things in life, little things, we don't have that you know, tendency, that character trait to want to be thorough and do it well and do it in a way that's reliable and dependable and excellent and, and be conscientious about what we're doing, then he says the reality is that's just going to carry on if you do any larger things and more important things. That character trait it will just display itself on, on larger levels, which is not good. And then he says, in the same way, if we are faithful in little things and we care about little things and we're thorough in little things and whatever we're doing, it's just, it's a part of our DNA as a man. We try and be thorough. We try and be conscientious in whatever things we're doing. Then he says, the wonderful thing is that same character trait will not only perhaps give you an opportunity to have greater responsibilities, but what will happen is, is then when you take on larger responsibilities, that will just come along with you. And then when you do the larger things in life that maybe have way more impact or way more important, or you'll be that kind of person who's really faithful in the larger things in life as well. So again, I think the words of Jesus give us great incentive because it protects us from being willing to compromise at times so easily or make concessions in our attitude or to kind of cut corners. Instead, Jesus would say, don't do that. Don't do that because who you are in the little things when nobody's looking, it's who you're going to be in the big things too. And if you start caring about, Lord, you see everything I'm doing and this and that and even little things and you, you have that mindset, Jesus said the good thing is that will show me you can handle more and it also shows me and shows you that when you're handling more, you'll keep doing a really great job with the bigger things. Now, let me say before we conclude, as a balance to this, any trait in our life carried to an extreme can end up becoming out of balance, right? Oftentimes, our greatest strength is our biggest what? Biggest weakness, right? That's, just, that's kind of why we got to say balance in life. And so, in this area, as we're talking about being conscientious and thorough and attention to detail and careful if this trait is carried to an unhealthy extreme, you become a perfectionist. And that can get unhealthy too. There are terms for that, which maybe we shouldn't say from the podium either, but, but that's not healthy either. And so God says to us, look, this is important, but also be careful if you're someone who is kind of more you know, focused in, in that hypersensitive way that you don't go overboard because that's not healthy either to an extreme but let me just say, I think that's a lot less common. <laughs> I think it's a lot less common to have a struggle with being a perfectionist than it is that we need way more people on this planet and way more men in this generation who care a whole lot more. Way more men that don't care less 
and care little, but way more men that would care more and not want to be careless, to do things well and give our best, that we would be men who put a standard of excellence on everything. Lord, help me to put that standard of excellence on everything I do. Let's stand together, guys, and we'll pray and ask God's help in regards to this. Lord, we all recognize our weaknesses at times as men, Lord, and we recognize that, Lord, we can at times become, Lord, selfish, lazy, irresponsible, Lord. We just pray that you'd help us, that by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you'd give us grace to overcome the weaknesses of our own flesh, and that, Jesus, even as you did all things well, that as you rule in our hearts as men, that we would want to do all things really well as well whether it's being a husband or a father or a worker or in whatever it is that we do, Lord, that we would do everything we do really well for your honor and in a way that we seek to please you with the standard of excellence and that we might be a blessing to all those around us and not a burden in this way. And we ask this together, brothers, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen, guys. Good to be with you again this morning. Thanks for coming out.